Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit, and welcome to this episode. I just recorded the most gorgeous, powerful, I don't even have words for it, conversation with Marissa Michelson and Katie Dove, and they have um, a beautiful offering called Heart Song, and I wanted to talk to them about it. Um... Marissa and I met during an Akashic mentorship um, with Leah Garza, and we instantly felt this kinship with one another. We felt this instant connection, and we started connecting a couple of times. And then Marissa told me that she has this collaboration coming up with Katie. Um, it's about connecting the voice and the heart. And those of you listening may know I... I'm a singer. I love exploring the voice. I love exploring the heart. And so it was an instant yes for me to discuss with them about it. And I don't think I quite knew what to expect. I kind of went into this conversation with um, curiosity, openness, um, and yeah, just really having the intention of uh, getting to know them, getting to know their story and getting to know uh, their work. You know, both Marissa and Katie um, are practitioners who are doing such amazing things. And I will leave it to them to describe in the conversation what it is that they do. But um, after that conversation this conversation, I just feel this deep gratitude for both of them for having come on and and talk about some of these concepts. You know, we, we spoke about the connection between the heart and the voice. We spoke about um, the connection between the heart and the throat. We spoke about desire and how a lot of people desire to sing, to express what wants to come through them through their voice and um, maybe feel a certain level of disconnection or distortion from that desire we spoke about the distinction between desires and needs and sprinkled in there um, you'll get to know some aspects of marissa's and katie's and also my story with our voices so Without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie Dove and Marissa Michelson. Welcome, Katie and Marissa. 
Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yay. Um, ah. So I- I'm super excited to talk to both of you. I have been uh, getting to know both of you through your words uh, on your website. Marissa and I met through um, another container where we were both um, doing Akashic work. And I've never met Katie before. This is the first time we met. And, and we had a nice little chat before you came on, Marissa. So um, mm. I, I kind of want to start with maybe having each of you introduce yourself to anyone listening. Um, I, I'd love to hear about, you know, in terms of who you feel you are in this moment. Um, and also talk to us a little bit about your collaboration and your relationship with one another. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm very happy to be here talking with you, Jonathan. It's just (laughs) always so nourishing to connect with you. Mm, Um, Likewise. I want to... I, I decided I'd go first because I am actually using this opportunity to connect into my own body which mm. as soon as you pressed play my chest and upper back started to kind of vibrate a little bit yeah and um or when you pressed record uh, uh i am a singer i'm a composer um a performer and i spent a decade running a vocal performance ensemble in new york city Constellation mm-hmm. Core in immersion and voice, movement and spirit. Um, and I've been doing that kind of musical work for and theater work for my entire life, my entire life since I can remember. I'm also a pianist. And then, of course, a singer, which is partly what we're here talking about. Yeah. I started doing um, voice work through a particular lineage called Libero Canto. Mm. about 20 years ago and that work has informed everything about who I am as a musician a composer a teacher a person and it is eventually what led me to create what I'm now calling vocal de-armoring mm-hmm. and it's essentially an official offshoot of the Libero Canto school and it's um the work that I do in that context is um, incredibly enlivening and nourishing for the body and um, freeing of the breath and also includes an element of what it is to be an artistic being on this earth. Mm. And that's true for people all the way from whether you're um, a new artist or a new singer or somebody who's just seeking to unlock those places inside you that are inherently expressive and can come out through voice, or whether you're someone who's been um, an artist for many years, a professional artist, a, um, you know, a Broadway person or um, an opera singer. And it's like behind everything, we are connecting to source through voice, connecting mm. to Eros, 
the aliveness in our bodies through voice, becoming more intimate with self through voice, hmm. and approaching and, and, and engaging an approach to life that is about walking through this earth artistically, hmm. where, while also aiming for a kind of high level of mastery that I believe ultimately comes from, I like to use the word devotion, um, which includes discipline, Mm-hmm. but is a particular relationship to discipline, a devotional relationship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's something I can start with about who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. It's not all of who I am, it's something of who I am. That's so rich. I love it. <laughs> I have like a million questions, um, but also I'm aware uh, that just to let listeners know, that was Marissa because we don't have ah. visuals. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. just so you know, that's Marissa's voice. And um, mm-hmm. how about you, Katie? Do you want to introduce yourself? However sure. feels right to you in this moment? Yeah. Um, well, let me start with the impact from um, what Marissa said. And um I am a devotee mm. um, to something that I call that which moves. Mm. So for me, most of my life, I've <clears throat> apprenticed with uh, this guidance. Mm. Since I was about three, I feel I was conscious that there was something moving me. Mm. And um, I, de- I, I became over time more and more devoted to um, being of service to that movement. And so mm-hmm. that movement has moved me into who I currently am. Mm-hmm. And in that case, in this context, I'm a, a teacher and a healer and a mystic. Mm-hmm. And a mother and a student. Hmm. Hmm. And an optimist. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I think it's a, a time for us to um, use some of that devotion to focus hmm. on um, the beauty of what's available to us and what's coming and um, to make sure that we we don't get caught in the trap of of what's in our face because mm. a lot of times what's in our face isn't actually what's real yeah it's a distortion of our own translations based mm. on woundings or belief systems Mm. and so i like to remain optimistic that we all can kind of clear those lenses Mm. Mm -hmm. to see to see and to see the beauty and 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 actually what's unfolding yeah and there there is a future unfolding Mm. Mm. yeah 
I felt both full and spacious hearing you both introduce yourself um, and kind of the sense mm. of coming home which sounds so weird to my human self because I'm like I, I think we've spoken once or twice Marissa and I think literally we met like 30 minutes ago Katie <laughs> but but so I, I I understand from a human perspective that sounds um like it doesn't make sense to my human brain and also um on a heart level I felt very connected to both of you through that introduction it's like I recognize mm -hmm. the kindred um spiritedness my words are failing me but i think you know what i mean mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i kind of want to say that jonathan that um i felt that way when we talked before mm -hmm. and i have a story that you are home and that you bring that out in a lot of people mm. actually i've also mm. you know listened to your podcast some mm. and i feel like the the home quality mm. <laughs> is alive in your actual speaking voice mm. Mm. and in the, the mm. music the piano music that plays that you created mm. and mm -hmm. your energy field yeah i think you bring that out mm. thank you i mm. appreciate that reflection because i think it's um home is always very fraught for me in a sense mm. like in this lifetime um, my experiences with home has been very complicated. So I think in a way that's taught me to create a home wherever I go with frequency, mm. with um, mm. my imagination, with energy, with music. So mm. um, yeah, it's like I'm a turtle. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah, I'm a turtle. <laughs> I carry my home with me. Um Hmm. I'm curious to hear how the two of you met um, and what led to this collaboration. So um, the reason why we had this conversation in terms of the sequence of events is a, f a couple weeks ago, I think, Marissa, you reached out to me and you told me about this collaboration you're doing with Katie. And it's so interesting because I... I never respond to people's solicitation for coming onto the podcast. Seriously. Like, this is the first one that I actually responded to. One, because I'm just a huge fan of you as a being, Marissa. Like, anything oh. you, <laughs> I think no. short of, short of telling me to like jump off a building, <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> There's something about you that I'm just like, yes, take me there. Um, but, but also, it was so interesting to watch myself kind of respond to your um, your share about this collaboration because immediately, I didn't even go to the course page. I felt a yes. I was like, mm. yes, I definitely mm. want to have both of you on. And mm. at that point, Katie, I just saw your name. Like literally, I saw Katie Dove mm. and I was like, yes. <laughs> so then I went to the course page and I I learned more about the offering, which sounds so beautiful, but... But from my understanding, it sounds like this is the first time that you both are collaborating on an offering. So I want to hear mm -hmm. about 
kind of the backstory, however much both of you yeah. would like to share. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I didn't know that. That's so that's so wild. Um, <laughs> Katie, do you want to start this one? Do you want to say anything about this one first? Um, okay. I'm like all smiles, right? <laughs> 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 um, I know. <laughs> I, my face is start, starting. <laughs> um, I need to do some of Marissa's yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So, first of all, I can piggyback because I trust the space that Marissa holds so mm. deeply. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. My first experience of her was, um, well, it must have been a couple of years ago when Kimberly and Johnson um, mm. kind of got gave you a boost into experimenting with an online offering. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I I listened to your podcast with her um, for Kimberly's like, you got to hear this and mm-hmm. and you should sign up. I, and I don't know why she thought I should. Or maybe I just heard her say that and she didn't even say it. Mm-hmm. But um, and at the time, I was so not ready. I did like the first two classes with the camera off and like uh-huh. pretty much laughed at <laughs> the entire time but the kind of like I'm so uncomfortable laugh yeah <laughs> and then I was yeah. like I so want more of that mm. I was kind of coming out of postpartum and and um and bringing back um the aliveness in my body and and even coming back to work. So mm. Um, mm. that was my first experience. And then time went on. And um, I think maybe we had a couple interactions over social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was on Kimberly's podcast. Mm. Right. And right. um Marissa, you commented about it. Yeah. And I felt and, it. Yeah. And so that was kind of the place where it was like, oh, I see you and you see me. And mm. there was, mm. I think, a deep admiration mm. um, uh, over each of our maybe authenticity and the way mm. that are, you know, it's like, I see it as like, we all have a lot of tools in our bag that we've been gathering mm. at this mm. point. And, mm-hmm. and so I was in awe of your gathering and mm. your synthesizing and coalescing of, of what you've gathered. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. that in that podcast interview, I listened to with you I'm and the whole thing was, was really moving through my body but then there's this one moment that i just have never forgotten and i wonder if other people say this too but there was a moment when you said something like you kind of almost felt like you were going along and talking about the work you do and then there was this breakout moment where you just said kimberly you are not alone but your whole heart was in it It it's like we or Mm -hmm. you are not alone we are not alone or something and um 
those words, of course, they don't, they don't transmit the energy that was flowing through, mm -hmm. which felt to me listening like your heart cracked open and came out through your voice again, which is what I'm so attuned to. Yeah. And I felt it. I felt my body kind of shiver and um, <sighs> it struck me. It landed in me in a way I felt not alone. I felt not alone yeah. on a deeper level in that moment. Yeah. And um, that's the moment that I've continued to like, remember, even when I'm with you, that that was moving through you and out into me. Mm. Anyway, just to continue and make this story kind of, just to finish the practical parts of it, um, then... Katie started doing private sessions with me and I had already been thinking I wanted to do a collaboration. Mm. And then um, that was just this fall. And then I took um, Katie's, one of Katie's group courses or spent time with one of Katie's group courses. And that experience was again, really wonderful, like receiving a kind of energetic transmission mm -hmm. as well as learning all this badass embryology that was really really fucking cool <laughs> and um so i felt my my super you know it's like intellectual spidey mind was engaged oh yeah i love that information oh my god what 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 and then also my energetic field was um moved and also at the end of each class Katie ha was playing a song uh, that had something to do with the heart theme of the class, like playing on, you know, Spotify and people were listening and the energy was flowing between all the squares. And I was sitting there thinking, we should be singing this song. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of the vision I had that we would do a class like this and craft it to what could work between us and people would sing pieces mm. from these songs at the end so I reached out to katie she said yes she said yes <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> so here we are <laughs> yeah wow yeah i love that um yeah. it felt connected to me to the name of the offering, which is Heart Song. Um, that moment you spoke of, Marissa, of hearing Katie uh, on Kimberly's podcast. Um, mm. You know, I kind of want to talk about that experience. I kind of want to talk about it mm. and maybe pick it apart. I'm putting my scientist hat on a little bit here. Like, what happened in that mm. moment? Because something I was feeling into before this conversation was thinking about when have I been in situations where I sing in front of people, whether in a performance space yeah. or in a non-performance space where I'm just like singing out. And then suddenly mm. something shifted, right? Something in the energy shifted. I experienced that once in a performance. Um, actually, it was outdoors. It was at Fort Green Park here, not mm -hmm. very far away from my house. I was mm -hmm. the last performer of that um, little festival and we were all just sitting in the grass. It was like the most um, punk setup there could ever mm -hmm. be. 
I had my auto harp on. I was singing the song that the organizer had suggested that I kind of pick up, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I just learned it, and I, I would say I wasn't particularly connected with that piece of music up until that point. Uh -huh. But I sat down, and I don't know what happened. It was like one of those moments where time was moving so quickly and so slowly at once, and it wasn't mm. me anymore. I mm. was connected to this bigger field, and. Mm. The voice, you know, I don't know how that performance went. Everybody mm. was mesmerized. It seems like <laughs> I was mesmerized by uh -huh. everybody too, you know. And mm. we were just all in this connectedness, and it's almost like the voice and all the practice that I've engaged with up to that moment was just decoration. Like it was just like, mm. okay, we we gotta be here, right? We gotta create this container. The container of time is created through the duration of the song, but that wasn't even the point. Like the point was this right. connection that we all had with one another. That's my version of it, but mm. that was what it reminded me of, Marissa, when you were talking about that moment when Katie was mm -hmm. on Kimberly's podcast. And um, mm. I'm curious to hear from you both your thoughts and your experience your stipulation about what actually happened in those moments mm. yeah i will jump in a bit just to address what you just shared jonathan because i get mm. so excited about it um <laughs> which is that i first of all i love the word decoration and um i also think of the word entertainment when it mm. comes to singing and there's nothing wrong with that it's yeah. great. I love being entertained and I love decoration. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, but I, oh gosh, it's like, this is something that I, I am so passionate about. There are a lot of times when we, when people approach voice, particularly in the context of singing lessons <laughs> or, um, or trying to get better, whether it's like a professional singer or, um, if you're someone who wants to chant and do more kirtan well, or even kind of voice healing stuff, there's this attitude towards the voice that I find is objectifying the voice. Mm. It's almost like you see your voice as an object outside of you that you're trying to sculpt and fix and make better and make sound better. Mm make the voice sound better even when it's in a context of like i want to be i want to sound freer i want to have a more healing voice i want a voice that heals i want a voice that blank a voice that this when in reality voice is never in existence outside of the gerund the act of singing the mm -hmm. act of giving voice it is always in motion it is always to to quote Katie. It is always that which moves. It is always that which moves. It is never static. It's never stationary. By the time it come, the sound of our voice comes out of us, it's already too late to sculpt that sound that was just there. <laughs> so, where is our attention when we're with our voice and with our singing? It's it can either be on listening to what your sound you're making and trying to do all these kind of mechanistic things to make the sound better which mm. inherently disconnects you at a certain level from the act of singing the mm. act of singing where your breath flows through you and then you're almost like a channel 
And I think the interesting thing about being like a channel is that then when when the body is like a channel, then it's not like, oh, that's only one thing and oh, it's always spiritual and oh, it's always like, oh, I'm a channel. It's you can you re, you're in relationship to the thing you're doing, yeah. whatever that thing is, even if it's entertainment, even uh. if it's just like like the best pop song it's not like you have to make this pop song some kind of spiritual experience it's that you are a vessel and a channel to allow the essence of the pop song to do its thing through you mm. and then you're in relationship and you're learning from the song you're doing and <laughs> each genre has its own lessons to teach and you know and then if it's if it's something more kind of quote unquote like spiritual singing, like vocal healing or chanting, then that is allowing a certain a certain energy to move through you. And it's like what you described, Jonathan, in that moment, something, whatever it was, sometimes this is an act of grace. Sometimes it comes after moments of really deep, disciplined, devotional practice, but your body, literally, literally your body, the muscles in your body, let go inside of you enough to allow the breath to move through you mm. without you controlling it and mm -hmm. you forcing it mm -hmm. and so you know that's what i that's what i love that's this work is letting go of blocks and constrictions in the body at the level of super physicality and you know yeah. the diaphragm the, the larynx the muscles in the chest and then also we have mental blocks <laughs> you know and we work how can we release mental blocks stories we also of course can have you know spiritual blocks emotions like how do we how do we skillfully masterfully work with all these aspects of ourself in a specific way that allows us to let go enough and it's not general letting go it's not just like why let me just let go it's specific learning to let go mm -hmm. that then allows allows that moment like you described a kind mm -hmm. of channeling moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the and words that's also maybe transmission yeah. yeah yeah the words that were coming to my mind when you were speaking was uh committing to surrendering Ooh, i love that Ooh. I was hearing surrender too. Mm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, surrender. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. And right. for me, I'm not particularly a singer. Um, I would Yet. love. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I w would love to feel the freedom of singing. Um, I love that Marissa was like, we got to be singing these songs because I have this dream of having like my own little band that sings all the songs during all my classes. And <laughs> and I have done that in a couple of my have live music and it does do something. And even it helps. It I saw when we did it in a couple of live classes, it helped the student integrate what they were learning in mm -hmm. a way that like they were in a, a deeper surrender of letting that transmission move through them and integrate mm -hmm. in, into their basket that they've been gathering, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, 
I can't speak from the place of singing, but what I feel happens in those deep, deeper transmissions is that I surrender enough to 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 allow the blend of consciousness with that which moves. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so then the next piece is the body being open enough to allow it to express. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. and I think from the context of my teachings and and how I'm not singing but I'm delivering something through the voice, it also has to be that the heart is open. Mm. Mm-hmm. and mm. th- that the heart is the kind of conductor in it yeah yeah i i feel that deeply katie i also had this question about when i was really tuning into heart song just even as a concept you know and, mm. and reading your words what I was curious about was there was something about it that was um, splaying my mind open a little bit because there's a way in which my intellectual brain thinks that the work of freeing the voice and the work of allowing the song to come through is more like a throat center liberation process Mm. and so i'm kind of wanting to hear you as well as marissa talk more about like this connection right of um allowing the song to come from the heart because yeah i think in my brain it's like yes the heart but i also primarily associate singing with like the throat center you know, and so I don't know if there's a connection there or what's coming up for either of you around that. Mm-hmm. I can I can start with a couple of one place if we go into the intellect. Mm. <clears throat> if you think about all the things that the heart is um, facilitating for the body, mm. it's facilitating the movement of fluid through the body. And yes. and and so the fluidness of the throat of the 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 structures of the fascia that's creating the structure of the throat, and so and there's a rhythm within the heart that also is is a rhythm that's in your own voice. It's like, and then in the embryology. The heart actually forms on top of the mouth. Mm. So when we say speaking from the heart, we literally began that way with the mouth, the heart on top of the mouth Mm. and the brain way behind. Mm. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, the heart makes this migration or this dip and the, the mouth comes toward the front of the face and the brain comes forward and the heart is here in the center and so the head and and is also following the heart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i didn't know that isn't that beautiful it's crazy (laughs) 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 so there's a there's a there's a 
cellular memory, there's a connection between the heart and and the structure of the mouth and the entire um, mechanism yeah. for singing. Yeah. yeah. I find this really fascinating. This is something I learned in Katie's class. I did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that when when we are singing, when our bodies are formed like they are now, then the diaphragm actually lifts the heart. And the diaphragm, which is the leader of all that is when we make voice, when we give voice or sing, what we're wanting to have happen and what often honestly does not happen when we have a lot of um, constriction in our bodies and when we're when we're tight and holding and pushing and pulling from certain more external muscles, then that actually ends up inhibiting the movement of the diaphragm. And so, and this is simplified, but as we're softening, you could say these more external, larger muscles in our bodies, then that's when our diaphragm can take on the role it's meant to which is breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And there is no singing without breathing. Mm. And in particular, without breathing out, you can also breathe in and do different kinds of singing that way, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> um, but the, the idea is that our diaphragm can learn to tone more and become more and more flexible and have more options available to its movement, quite literally. And when that happens, it can also lift higher inside of the, the body, lift higher inside of the chest. And that, that lifting movement connects more truly and fully, literally, to the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, and then if you want to also connect into the the channel of the throat and where singing, you know, comes from, it's the diaphragm, it's lifting, the breath is moving up the center of the body and out through the throat. And we want there to be less, um, less and less obstruction of that open channel, the literal mm-hmm. channel in the body, mm-hmm. and less holding from our throats or holding in our chests. And that creates that more literal direct experience of breathing out, which is connected to that channeling state that we've already talked about, because the whole experience is more direct. It's from imagination, hearing of the music, connecting to the impulse directly to the diaphragm and out, rather than you know, having an idea, coming in, getting in its way, trying to control it, make it something else, trying to get it out in the right way, which, you know, is not the same as that more direct, literally um, from the brain, imagination impulse goes into the diaphragm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting to talk about <laughs> i'm I'm a little bit stunned marissa because i had this moment and i'm gonna go there with with both of you i had this moment um marissa and i are both would you say you're a conservatory trained marissa you are right yes yes. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because because i i was also trained in the conservatory and 
I wasn't a singer. I didn't train to be a singer. I trained to be a pianist. But there was kind of a... Hmm, it kind of feels to me like the quote-unquote mainstream music education is so dead in some ways. Oh, like yeah. it's so... There's kind of this... A mechanistic approach to like this is yeah. how you're going to be able to be a performer you know and right. um when when you were speaking i was reminded of how dead my relationship with music felt at the mm. end of my conservatory training mm-hmm. which kind of told me because i was thinking after my master's should i go into phd and i was like absolutely not because i'm actually gonna die in this environment, yeah. you know, and I had to, <laughs> yeah. like, I had to get out of the whole environment. It's only recently, I think, that I've started mm-hmm. to kind of come back to it. I, um, the past four years, mm-hmm. I've been taking voice lessons with a teacher I dearly love and who has really helped me kind of facilitate myself back into my voice. But it's it's such a slow process because there's also all these mm-hmm. other things happening. But yeah, right. I think as you were, as both of you were speaking what's what's becoming apparent to me is the way in which we often see the voice or even just thinking about like singers singing people who sing the act of uh using our voice to express something as separate from the rest of the instrument the rest of the spirit the rest of the being right that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. right I think it's part of the distortion that you were talking about, Katie, in the beginning of this conversation when you were introducing yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. hmm, let me see where I kind of want to lead us next. I don't know. Does that bring up anything for either of you? I feel like there's something in the space here. It, it brings up a lot for me, but I'm also aware of wanting to give space for you, Katie. Oh. Well, what's al- alive in me uh, as you're speaking is I think a lot of our, what, what was passing through me as you were talking, Jonathan, was like, I didn't do conservatory, but um, I did a lot of schooling and mm. and mm-hmm. I usually was following a passion and after a little while my passion died and I mm. would veer and switch and 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 I thought like that it was something about me mm. but I'm actually really um commitment devotion and commitment are are two of my favorite words and favorite kind of like shakti energy it's it's an energy field yeah. right and it's yeah. like so um i questioned that in my early 20s as i just kept changing direction and, and it was like well mm. every time i follow a passion in that environment it's just kind of crushed mm. and mm-hmm. and the point that i think I was able to stick one was when I actually fell into the line of, uh, that was more of my dharma because I was, you know, a photojournalism major and I was a woman studies major. And then I'm six classes away from a 
being a park ranger. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of history there. But and the, all those things were like taking me places until I landed in 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 the place of being in the healing arts. And and those mm. things actually fed in into that. But it it was so one, it was about finding the right stream uh, to follow, but two it wasn't until I actually was inhabiting my own heart mm. and I was keeping that alive in myself that mm. I could stay devoted and, and that it became not bigger than my own passion or interest. It, it was a desire. And to me, desire is mm. like also up there in the top three words with commitment and devotion because desire is creation. Nothing mm. is created. Everything is created out of desire. Mm. Everything. That energy. Like I, I use devotion and discipline and determination. Those energies are, are, are the pathway to the manifestation of those desires. And, right. and that's held in the heart. And, and, mm. and I had to learn to stay there in my own devotional inhabited space mm. in order that it wasn't, it didn't become dead to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Then it's actually giving me life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm serving it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, also, I mean, desire. I mean, this is where I feel, Jonathan, where you and I met in that space because that in our Akashic, you know, mentorship that we were doing this last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. Um, Leah Garza, our teacher, is the center of all is desire. Mm. And there's this learning of the a more specific and nuanced definition of desire. What is desire actually? And what is desire when we, when we, when it hasn't been co-opted into only meaning uh, pleasure, even though it also mm. means pleasure, um, and when it hasn't been also co-opted to mean super selfish, mm. like my desire only, but that the energy of desire itself mm. is, like you said, the energy of creation. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel the same. I wrote a, a piece. It was my favorite piece, I think, in a way that I ever wrote called the Desire Divinity Project about the connection between Eros and God, for lack of a better word, and mm. um, and how desire fuels all. Desire fuels all when we are um, not attached. It's not about the attachment to the outcome. It's about yeah walking the road of desire living in the flowing energy of the desire committing devoting to that energy of desire just Mm, because that's life Mm, not like oh my desire will lead me here or here maybe or maybe not but that that is what is fueling all I didn't know it's fun to talk about that because we haven't talked about that before. Yeah, I so agree. And part of what I think happens in the wounding is we get desire mixed up with need. And Mm. then we're afraid to desire because there's so much wound about unmet needs. Right. Right. And and it's like, no, 
like you can't stop your heart's desire mm. because of a fear of it's like there it's two totally different levels but our 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 mind and our um younger selves often are afraid of that desire because mm. we relate it to pain yeah right 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 and a fear of maybe wanting something so much and failing and failing or it or not being, failing yep yeah. or just Disapp that, getting disappointed yeah, yeah. And that we mix it up with need. Mm -hmm. It's like right. it's it's it has nothing to do with need. It actually has to do with serving. It actually mm -hmm. has to do with manifesting and and bringing forth. Desire isn't about receiving. Mm. Mm. It's something mm. that we we deliver into the world. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because mm -hmm. I'm like, say more, Katie. <laughs> say more. <laughs> I'm actually curious because I'm like, this is so fascinating. I think there's um, I have so many questions, but I I just I I think the best question is like, say more put more words out there about this <laughs> distinction between desire and need because uh, I don't think most people understand that on a conceptual level. I don't mm. think that most of us do. I think um, also that you said it earlier, like we're told not to have desires and, and the, and then like we can even go to the place of not being desirable. Like as mm. women, there's, was a time in my life where like I did not want to be desirable mm -hmm. which was like I was hiding and this is super nuanced I was hiding from the world but I wasn't hiding me I was hiding that which wanted to come out into the world and be alive yeah mm. and and it takes a courageous heart to allow that, allow that um, authentic expression of of that which moves to be moved, particularly specifically through your song. Mm. Like we each have, if we're gonna go and it's like our we each have this song, and and the song is a song of desire. It's a love song, the greatest love song. And that is what, when I teach this class in Habit the Heart, that, that is part of the um, merging with Marissa's work, where we're trying to coalesce this, it's like that place in the heart where desire comes from, it, If a, a doctor did surgery on you and touched that place, you die instantly. Hmm. It's like the holy of holies, this this place in our heart. It's an empty space in the middle of it all. Ah. Oh. 
And why sometimes wouldn't we want to hide that or protect that from the world? Mm. Mm. But what happens is we cut ourselves off from it too. Yeah. And then we're not alive in the world. We're living, but we're not alive in the world. And the more we answer the desire, the larger the that energy of desire becomes in our life. Yeah. Wow. I don't want to break that silence, but I feel simultaneously so much grief around it and also hmm. Hmm. I don't know what it is but it, I, I do feel the grief I can locate the grief hmm. I can also locate the opening you know it's kind of like a crack that hasn't allowed the light to come in yet but it has that potential, you know? That's how it feels like hearing you share that. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people walk through this world, you could call it grief or a deep sorrow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Grief means that I think you kind of know what you're missing. Mm. And I think sorrow can be elusive. There's like a feeling of sorrow because something's missing, but you don't know what it is. Right. Is that what it feels like for you, Donovan? I was curious. Is it? Is it that you have this, hmm. that thinking or connecting about desire in this way brings up grief or, or sorrow? Yeah, I because think... Because it's elusive? Uh-huh. This is how it's feeling for me in my specific vessel or instrument i think that the grief feels like it's mine the sorrow i have for humanity and Mm. i don't know how to contextualize it because it's not mine and i don't think it's my job to contextualize it it's my job to locate it within myself and translate it into grief that i can understand and and I don't think, I think the sorrow is part of aliveness. The sorrow to me is part of being, it, this is taking me back to the moment I was sharing with you earlier, Marissa, about that experience of performing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know, the ecstaticness of being connected with everyone. This is the flip mm-hmm. side of that, right? Like this is the, mm-hmm. the minor uh, key version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of what it's feeling right. like for me. Yeah. Right. 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 It just brings to mind somehow for me hearing you share that, Jonathan. Um, and of course, you brought in the minor key. And I often think of dissonance and how beautiful musical dissonance is, how mm-hmm. necessary um, mm-hmm. that in in the space of desire is also, I mean, all kinds of emotions. It's not one 
emotion and yeah. in the space of the heart there's not just one emotion and maybe i don't know actually if you ever get this katie but what's coming to me in the moment is sometimes when people think of connecting to the heart or going into a space that's about the heart you might imagine we're going to come sing and just feel good Mm. At, at the end of each class that we're going to mm. be doing, for example, to feel more loving towards, you know, more like loving and happy. <laughs> mm. And that that's not actually necessarily the case, mm. even though I think in this specific container, especially given the songs that we're going to choose, there will be some more of an emphasis. We're not going and doing primal screams. That's not the container. Not that I don't, I don't, I have my own very strong opinions about that anyway. But um, which I'll talk about another time, <laughs> which I really will, though I really want to <laughs> so badly. Um, but so the the songs are in that we're doing; they are intended. They're loving. They're loving. They have an energy mm. of lovingness in them. Mm. But that, and this is also what I love about the voice: is it it when you drop, when you drop and let go in the body, then whatever's present in your body starts to emerge and flow and that might be the grief or it might be i don't know anger it could be anything it could be a whole cocktail of things we can't identify clearly and that that process of being with what is just like you said is also aliveness mm. and is mm -hmm. also connecting more deeply to our own hearts um, you know, but I also say that just because I think there's, um, like when I'm tuning in right now into the field of our class, I'm, I'm finding this space of edginess as well, like, like edginess there, like depth and, you know, so, like a different texture. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to kind of use my you know speak that into this space with us mm. because it's coming into me that there's a there's m multiple textures like we don't even we, we can approach the heart and we must approach our singing with um curiosity and beginner's mind and what's there mm -hmm. and then allow that to be revealed to us in real time again and again over and over um which ties right back to me to this idea of not objectifying our voice or objectifying mm -hmm. an outcome yeah. but learning with skill to live into the unfolding process of mm -hmm. life force yeah. energy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um wow this is what that's bringing up for me i can't tell you both i mean i Probably you know this from experience, but I can't tell you both how many people have come up to me over the years and say, I've always wanted to sing, but mm -hmm. fill in the blank, right? There's so mm -hmm. many different mental, intellectual excuses about why not to sing. And it's interesting to me that people are always saying that to me, especially this is usually in the context of me sharing about my singing, about my mm -hmm. either I talk to them about voice lessons or mm -hmm. I talk to them about songs that I wrote and sang and um, it always brings me back to my own experience which was that I 
from a young age, you know, like a part of your journey, Katie, that really resonated with me was that I was never that kid who knew what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an astronaut. Mm. I wanted to be like a teacher. I wanted to be an artist. But the Mm. one that really stuck actually was music. And the first knowing that I had with music was I am a singer. Mm. And then my whole journey has Mm. been running away from that path. It's like, no, it's too scary. I remember being in 10th grade and there was, uh, there was desire to sing. Mm. There was desire to share and to channel and be in this space of like continuing to refine um, a frequency that wants to come out through my voice. Um, and then I remember at the end of 10th grade, one of the performances that I was, you know, I was in um, was filmed and I... I, I received an award at the end of 10th grade. But part of me receiving that award was going up on stage and then having that performance be projected onto the screen and everybody mm. could see it, including myself. And I just remember the deep embarrassment and shame of like seeing myself singing mm. with mm. my whole body. And that was mm. the moment where I was like, you know what? We're going to be a pianist because that is not okay. Like that was too scary. Like whatever that was, I can't, you know. And um, last year, sometime in the summer, I had a moment with my voice teacher where I uh, broke down. She took me to this lower part of my voice and I just like broke down. And I couldn't make sense of it. It was just my body reacting. And Mm -hmm. right before this conversation, actually, I had another one of those moments. But it's very different because... I, my experience was that when my body responded so strongly, my first, my mind immediately filled and interpreted that experience as this is not safe, this is not okay. Something is happening here. We have to keep you safe, right? But I am in a different place now with my vocal exploration where I'm actually seeking these moments where I feel. Mm vulnerable and tender and open and I, I I can feel into my innocence I can feel into like I'm so in touch in these moments with this part of me that was maybe I don't know like four or five years old and um and I would I, I just was in the world I just was I wasn't trying to be the good I, I wasn't intentional mm. I just was you know mm. and I think the reason why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people are afraid of singing, are afraid of becoming more in touch with their voice for this very reason. It's kind of a paradox, Mm -hmm. right? Because we live in such a verbal culture. You know, those of us who live in the United States, it's like, I have... (laughs) Is there a more chatty or <laughs> like talkative culture than ours? You know, like every time I travel uh, to other parts of the world, like we are the most verbal people I've ever seen. Mm. I've ever, in, I've never encountered a more verbal culture. Like we're so, mm. so many words, you know? And yet there's also fear in kind of going into that part of us singing. And there's also so much um, 
Like we put people who can sing on a pedestal. So I don't know. I don't have a question, but I think I I want to hear what's coming up for both of you from from everything I've shared. Every time I sing, I start crying, <laughs> mm. almost. Mm. Um, and and one of the only times I really sing is, and and I don't necessarily cry now. Is um, to my I sing every night to my son, and he's probably the only one that ever heard me, me besides Marissa really sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And there's a vulnerability, be, like there, there's such a vulnerability. Singing is, it, it it's like being seen. Mm-hmm. There's a frequency in the sound that can't be hidden. And, and only that, only you can make that sound. That's your sound. And that sound is a result of all the magical things that Marissa talks about in the softening of the body, but it, the deeper result is it, it's the result of your relationship to source. Mm. And that's often a very intimate thing. So when you were in 10th grade, you were displaying that relationship to the world around you and also you saw it for yourself played back Mm. reflected back and i think that that's really vulnerable i mean there's also the like embarrassing things of being a teenager (laughs) you know that's real too yeah but um the vibration moving through your body it, it there's you're being touched by that which moves. Mm-hmm. But it's so intimate and everyone that hears your specific tune or tone witnesses your relationship, mm-hmm. your most intimate relationship, whether you know it or not. <laughs> I don't know how else to respond but to like laugh and cry at the same time but yeah I think the reason why my body's responding like that Katie is because you you pluck the string of truth there you know Mm -hmm. it's it feels like lifetimes of fears I think for Mm. a lot of us yeah mm-hmm. 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 that's why i admire marissa because she <laughs> brings us back into that place where there's no shame around that mm. intimacy and that relationship mm. with ourselves mm-hmm. and with the world outside of us and with that which is moving through us and you mm. marissa you connect those things 
in a mm. fun way. <laughs> it's very like, fun. It's like, so fun. <laughs> like, you, you have not worked with Marissa. Yeah. It is so fun. It's really fun. Well, it's you know, so, it's so fun. deep. Like, fun and deep. Yeah. And I think fun, playful, because yeah. in a way that playful energy is part of the teacher energy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, delight, play, joy. Right. Um, laughter, <laughs> enjoyment, that, that is part of the teacher literally of training the body and mm. also the nervous system connecting how we even think of what it is to give voice if we do that in a space where sometimes we're joyful, <laughs> it's quite simple, and playing, then we're, we're actually training our bodies that, that singing is joyful and it is playing. Yeah. And of course, then everything you, you both are talking about that's extremely vulnerable in a in a culture that where we are in the United States and North America hiding a lot mm. and trying to present um, present an image. And I think yeah. this is where it comes into connection with what I said at the beginning about crafting the voice from an image perspective. Um where that's safer that's safer in a to be it's you're less seen mm. um because you're know, playing a I mean, character you're playing a character and again there's nothing wrong with that it's actually part of um play but mm. i think yeah. the the piece of it that um isn't what i'm interested in is where that is the central piece that that's that's the main piece um playing a character is the only way to connect voice and in fact if we are if we learn to connect to source with our breath and our voice then that becomes the center and from there we can go do whatever we want we can play characters we can belt we can you know riff we can sing gently but we're always coming back to at the center of all of it is this living alive quite vulnerable connection to our own life force and yeah. being heard and being seen in that. Um, you know, I was thinking, I, I think this is true. This has come to me now twice from you both talking about your stories. I was thinking that I, I don't, I was always certain of what I wanted to do with mm. my life, quote unquote, since I was very young. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't turned a corner really in a certain way. Um, and in that sense, I, my, my desire was there, music, theater, composing, you know, that was what I wanted always. And I followed that. But for me, it was almost like I was on the edges. I was on the circumference of the desire for that. Like I didn't know I was moving from my head, from my mind, from this willfulness. And I think it's my true desire. I mean, I know it's my true soul's desire, but it, even as when I was young, but I wasn't so much what you described, Jonathan, of a young person who remembers um, being in that kind of open, true space, and then I yeah. lost it. It was more like I always knew it was there, but it was ephemeral, and 
um, elusive to me, even since I was young, mm. because in a way the weight of my my will was so strong that it covered that up, and, and yeah. that that happened internally also at the level of my body. That my willfulness came into my bones, my muscles, my how, how fast I walked, what songs I learned, how how much time I would spend learning the songs, like fast, go, go, mm. and. Yet there was this part of me that um, it, it just as it got worse and worse because I did go to conservatory and everything became just more and more mechanistic. Mm -hmm. um, then I felt this is ridiculous. I am standing here in a lesson trying to sing, being told to do all these <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> Things like click my click my teeth together, lift my soft palate. Like I remember before a performance when I was 17, someone in the cast I was in said, Oh, your voice will be much better if you go like breathe in and out with a cuh. And I would be almost hyperventilating up backstage, like, like, oh, that's gonna move my soft palate up. And then I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna sing and it's gonna be so great. <laughs> and it just got more and more spirally and twisted. And I, I did have this very strong part of me that just like, that's not it. Mm. This is not it. I'm trying to sing. I'm trying to sing. I'm trying to sing, I'm trying to sing. And it's there, but it's, I don't know, I cannot find it. And that's when I thankfully found my, my teacher and my path that became my whole life, like I said, that taught me how to connect to the source in a very specific and full of mystery kind of way mm. to there. Then I finally arrived. I said, yes, this, uh, by arrived, I don't mean I ever arrived in static, but finally started to really feel that the default of my own body relationship to both singing and being was a place, an emergent place a kind of relational, relational to the universe place and that I could finally feel what it was like to sing and have that life energy be flowing through me. And, and then wildly enough, at the same time, my, my singing got much better, mm. like from a technical perspective, from a mastery perspective, from a range perspective, from a versatility perspective. And I, I, it was such a relief to stop trying to sound like someone else, please other people by the sound of my own voice, mm -hmm. impress people. Mm -hmm. But just over time, it took a, a while, but really learn that my voice, how it comes through me is unique and enough and beautiful because it's connected to the truth in my body mm. yeah and um and along the way and it continues because i'm still a student of this work that process had has had so many repercussions into all areas of my life because mm. it took it took years to it, to feel comfortable being seen and heard mm. with all of my um, 
sweetness. Like there's a lot of sweetness in my in my personal singing voice. And I used to fight against I wanted to be tough and like I hope people think I'm tough and like badass and you know, and <laughs> not be really seen as this kind of sweet spirit that is yeah. in me and feels so vulnerable and kind of yeah. scary and like there's no protection there. And mm -hmm. um but that's just one example of of the way that this process moved me and has taught me as a person as well as as a singer and musician to embrace and be with and accept these different parts of myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. When I hear you say that, the word, I just think like you're this poster child for liberation <laughs> like mm. i hear this word mm. liberation like mm. like the whole story was about this liberation and and mm -hmm. and it's like of you but everyone that you sing with and to you're yeah. singing a message of liberation and yes. i know that i feel that when we work one-on-one -on -one with one another yeah. and i think we're liberating ourselves and we're also liberating yeah. source. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So thank you for <gasps> being that. Mm. Thank you. Yes. I love this conversation so much. I can literally hold you both hostage for like three days and three nights straight, but... I want to bring us to a close and I'm curious if there's anything else that want to be spoken in the space before we transition into logistics about heart song. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Ah. Mm. I'm um, tuning into this just question I have because earlier in our conversation, I wanted to read a quote, a very heady, very intellectual kind of quote from my the found like my teacher's teacher. Um, mm. and it's I'm not sure if it's relevant right now. What is really alive in me is just um, gratitude for this conversation and. Mm for the, the home space that you weave, Jonathan, in your conversations. Mm. And also the great fun of, um, this is the first time Katie and I, like we said, have done this mm. talk. I think, <laughs> I don't know if we announced that before, but we have not talked about this class together and um, not ever had a conversation with anyone else together. Mm. <laughs> and it's so great i really appreciate i really i feel like i learned so much even about our course and um me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's really good i know <laughs> i'm gonna sign up yeah oh it feels great to um to be calling it in 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, I think I won't share that quote, but I'll leave it as a mystery. And if anyone listening has felt really drawn, like, what was she going to say? <laughs> what is that quote? And you can reach out to me and ask, and I'll tell you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> mm. Mm. Anything from you, Katie? Oh, I feel like I'm left here in overflow of mm-hmm. this conversation and mm-hmm. um, yeah the mastery of the space you've created Jonathan for conversations like this to um, just be in the unfolding mm-hmm. and that's just powerful and valuable to me mm-hmm. that there are spaces where we can just honor the unfolding and um what keeps grabbing me is like Marissa's first thing about like not um, co-opting or like forming the voice into something, mm. you know, or mm. I forget the word he used. And objectifying. Objectifying. And I think that we objectify so much. And yeah. I feel so full from a conversation that feel feels like, there wasn't any, um, I mean, there's like this idea that we have this course coming up, like a reason, but mm. there's like no goal except discovery. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And um, that leaves me really full mm. and curious. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. Um, to me, the course was an excuse to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) it was an excuse and i also want to reflect back to both of you that i so deeply appreciate you both perceiving this space in that Mm. home frequency and allowing yourselves to like take off your shoes and be here with me because doing this podcast that's not always the case right like Mm. to me that really speaks to how both of you together and individually have also walked this path of uh, de-armoring to Mm. use your um, Mm. to use your phrasing Marissa because Mm. to be in the presence of maybe someone who's not a complete stranger but someone who um you haven't kind of had the chance to build that deep relationship with rich history with and to let yourself kind of allow, as you would say, Katie, whatever wants to move through you to come through is a skill. Mm. And both of you are so receptive to that invitation and ravenous to <laughs> letting it kind of come through you. So um, I deeply appreciate this space we've created. And both of you have to come back. Like we have to create either the three of us or, you know, um, individually, I would love to continue being in conversations with both of you because, um, yeah, this, this space felt like magic to me. So, 
Thank you. Mm, a thousand mm-hmm. yeses. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we talk about logistics? Mm. Can you talk about when the course starts? Um, yeah, anything mm-hmm. that folks listening need to know about the class. Um, yeah, starts on February fourteenth. <laughs> 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 It's five weeks, five Wednesdays, and I think when you. When you go to the course page, you can read what each Wednesday the theme. Um, I don't know if you have it in front of you, Katie. But uh, I was going to write it down, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, five Wednesdays, and yeah, mm-hmm. and it's on Zoom, on Zoom, mm-hmm. and it's recorded. Mm-hmm. So if you can't come live. I have a feeling you'll get a lot out of it, whether you come live or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I actually didn't do your class live; I did it oh. recorded, and I got I got that transmission that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if you join, you'll get to be part of my um, vocal dearmoring Mighty Networks membership channel for the duration of the course, mm-hmm. and you can play around in there with all of the different teaching videos I've made, and the readings, and the. Um, You can. It's super you know, fun. <laughs> watch. You can sneakily read all of the conversations, and you can respond if you feel called and share, or you can just lurk and enjoy all of the profound insights of the people in the community. Mm. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's logistics. Heart. What's the website? It's through Katie's website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have all the. Like- show notes yeah i have all the links in the show notes yeah so if folks um are attracted to this experience with katie and marissa um check out the links and um feel into it yeah yeah (laughs) and you don't have to be a singer i think we touched Mm -hmm. on that right Mm -hmm. like this is actually a really safe place Mm -hmm. to um listen to that longing Mm-hmm. And respond to that longing mm-hmm. without an expectation that after five weeks you're going to be a singer, mm-hmm. right? That you maybe recovered song, that song can live again in your heart. Mm. <sighs> yes, yes, Beautiful. yes, yes. Thank you both. This is truly such a gift for me for the podcast and. Um, I honor your devotion, your commitment, and your creativity in this world. Mm. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.